Hello and welcome to another episode of Block Talk presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher so you never miss an episode. Leave a five-star review while you're there. And as always, follow me on Instagram at Michael Block Talk, on Twitter at Block Talk NYC, and visit theaterinthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. Penny, this podcast is about to blow up. We have an acting challenge in our back pocket, and it's a pretty fun one. It's time to break down the latest episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 13. And joining me to chat about it is a queen who might shrink the competition in the future. It's the stunning Spectra Electra. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing all right. How are you? How's New Jersey treating you? I am fantastic. I was like, New Jersey is treating as well as it can. The Great Garden State is... Same. It is what it is. Yeah, I'm, I am still stuck in New Jersey. Hopefully things will improve and I will be able to go back into the city. But I had a doctor's appointment today and she said, yeah, we're going to give you a cortisone shot because you're not getting better. So we're on the road to recovery. We're, we're trying to get there because I would like to walk again. That would be fun. Yeah. I, you so know. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll get there. But how have you been enjoying this season so far? You know, I think this season has sort of been like all over the place for me. There's definitely been times when I'm like, okay, like I'm in love with it. And there've been other times where I'm like, it's been kind of meh for me. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing is like, I started to take a step back and like realize it's like these, I was like the, the fact that this season happened in of itself, you know, like with everything that's going on in the world is like, I am very much, you know, these queens probably hadn't seen anyone outside of like their immediate friend group for like months leading up to this. And then they yeah. got the call, had to drop everything and, you know, going to the Olympics of drag in, you know, these uncharted waters of, you know, a global pandemic. I, I very much take a, a back, a, a step back. And I'm like, you know, they're doing a damn good job given the circumstances. Yeah. yeah you know, it, we, we saw that COVID special. It was what it was, but yeah, it, it takes a lot to make this show happen. And they're they're doing a pretty good job. We'll, we'll, when we get to the untucked portion, we'll discuss, like, I don't understand the COVID rules on this set, but whatever. Um, but, yeah, it, it's really cool to see how everything is shaking up and how they were able to prepare, who was able to prepare a little bit better, and who pulled from their resources. But, listeners, if you're not following Spectre, you should, because every week she is doing a look inspired by the runway. And that's kind of awesome. Thank you. I, you know, I've, you know, I've always said, you know, whether it's in life or in drag, it's like, you're always like growing and learning. And I had this idea to do it. Um, I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm always super inspired by the runways. And, you know, I think that, you know, sometimes the ideas are better than others um, as far as, you know, these runway themes, but I always love seeing what the Queens do. And it's been really fun to challenge myself and be like, Hey, you know, if I were to do this, like, what would I do with it? So I've been yeah. having a lot of fun with it and, you know, I'm growing my skills and I'm sewing again and I've been styling more hair. So I'm sort of growing learning, developing and having fun while I'm doing it. Yeah, that that's incredible. And maybe you'll carry it over into some of our international seasons. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see if the, the series continues. Yeah. So speaking of the international seasons, a new segment, we're going to do the drag news of the week. And mm-hmm. you know what? I only had two points before coming on. Right before we jumped on, there's a third thing to discuss. So let's start with 
we've had a lot of rumored queens for the international season um, returning to social media. What does that mean? I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think. I was like, I, I know that I've seen a couple of, I can't think of any of the rumored queens that I've seen. I've heard a couple from Drag Race UK. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, I think Blue's supposed to come back. Um, Baga's supposed to come back. Baga uh, and Cheryl are both um, can, uh, rumored to be on, and they both have been active on social media, so don't know what that's about. Jimbo is a rumor, and Jimbo just posted their um, uh, <laughs> weird bunny look. So there, there's some activity. So either they're done filming or this international season is just not happening. Who knows? Yeah, and I think um, I've also heard rumors that there's uh, certain all-stars queens who are now coming back again have oh. you heard anything about that no no spill the tea sis um i don't know if it was the um international all-stars or if it was no i think it was international all-stars um something about um manila possibly coming yes, back yes. Again. yeah yeah that that one is a rumor jujubee was a rumor yeah there have been so many queens that were rumored for this show and like they're really messing with our heads. So if it happens, amazing. If it doesn't happen, it needs to happen in the future. Yeah, I know. Because I, I was like, I was trying to remember. I was like, I remember, I vividly remember like Manila. And then I was like, there was another one. Because people are like, really? Again? Yeah. Like it's. But if yeah. you're, you're going to do an international season, you got to have the best of the best from the, from the US. You can't send Widow Von Du. Like that was rumored. True. I guess it, I guess it really comes down to, you know, how are they, you know, how do they want to present the show as far as right. like, is it supposed to be the best of the best from, you know, internationally, or is it yeah. supposed to be like another all-star season? Cause if it's another yeah. all-star season, it doesn't make sense to have like Juju again and like Manila again, but if it's supposed to be like the best of the best, then like, sure. Like, you know, I, I, I have this gut feeling that they are trying to like have it air alongside like the Olympics. So May, we'll, we'll see. Whatever happens, happens. I'm excited because it's a fun cast. But yeah. we also had a teaser from Drag Race España this week. All it said on the, it was a fun little teaser. We got to see some silhouettes. Are they the queens? We don't know. But they still don't have a re- uh, release date for us. It says coming soon, coming soon. When? Yeah, so, so here we are. We're waiting. I mean, I always love the teasers and I especially love like when people try and like pick them apart and like yeah. just like they you know, they play like Sherlock Holmes with the silhouettes. Yeah. Um, because there have been instances in the past where like, you know, these people, they're way too much time in their hands, mm-hmm. um, are able to like, you know, they'll take like a screenshot and they'll be like, this, this silhouette looks strikingly similar to a garment that like this queen wore on their Instagram, like, you know, like two well, years it, ago. I think the big one was Cynthia Lee Fontaine when she came back for uh, season nine is there was that silhouette and everyone's like, that. we know who it is, we know who it is. Yeah, that was true. true. Yeah. But like, I love when people do that, but I'm like, God, I'm like, props to them because Mm -hmm. that's like some major like detective work. You know, it's like, I always think of like, you know, the people on Reddit who like go nuts with this stuff. More power to them. Yeah. And before jumping on was the big, big moment where we got a Drag Race Down Under Get to Know the Queens video that was released on the World of Wonder uh, Instagram. It's about a minute 30 and we get to meet the queens a little bit um, and learn about what songs they like to lip sync to, if they have a drag family, uh, things of that nature, what they're excited to see the audience react to. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. I mean, I don't even know why we're doing the season art Simone one, um, but cool. Good, good for the rest of the cast for trying and getting their participation trophy. 
Uh, yeah, right. It's like it's like we we know what's gonna happen. I'm like we've all seen her work. I've actually um, I met Art um at DragCon. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I also was fortunate um to meet another queen. Ironically enough, in line to meet Miss Fame, um, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, <laughs> um, this and- video, if uh, friends, if you have not seen etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera in this video, she's a nut job. Yeah, she's like you know crazy insane it was like super sweet it was like really cool yeah um but you know so been following her for a minute but the I think my favorite thing about you know when everything came out uh the the cast reveal came for uh drag race down under everyone was like wait art isn't the judge right right they're like she's a contestant like everyone was very confused like they were grooming her. They were grooming her. They gave her a wow, a wow percent show. I was convinced like this was their way of saying, Art Simone, welcome to the family. She had been to every drag con. Why not make her the judge? I guess Rue was bored, was like, I want to judge. So Art, you can play. Here's your crown. Yeah, they're like, here, we're going to, it felt very much, uh, you know, when there's always speculation that, you know, they make mm-hmm. an all-star season for like a certain queen to win. Feels very much that vibe. Yeah. Where they're like, okay, so here's this whole season. Here's what's going to happen. We know who's going to win, but like, have yeah. at it. Well, I can't wait to see the final lip sync between Art Simone and Karen from Finance. Absolutely. But yeah, no, I'm excited. Again, they said at the end of it said coming 2021. So it's anyone's guess when we're getting more seasons. Honestly, I need a break. So if we can have like a little bit of time before like, you know, All-Stars 6 and España, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, I was gonna say it was like how many how many seasons do they have like waiting in the vault? Because I so like many. It's like so many, so many seasons like back to back. I'm just like because Drag Race uh, UK three is finished. They they've completed that filming, so they got they got a lot. And Canada is I think filming now. So yeah, we shall see. But let's let's dive into this episode, and it's fitting that we're both um, from Jersey, and this is a very Jersey centric episode as we lose our Jersey girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's after the elimination. Utica leaves a very long message on the mirror because why wouldn't she? Simone is going to miss her twin, who she just ate, according to Rose, which was weird. I didn't like that imagery. Um, Simone needs to get out of her head because it's landing her to the bottom, and she wants to get to the top. Cue the winner's redemption arc storyline. I call it right now. Candy is congr- congratulated for her win. She is happy. As she says, the roast is a drag race staple. Um, and then she decides to shade her mom and her sis because Aja and Dahlia have never won a challenge. And she's ready to fight to the end. Is that a fact? Is, did Aja not win anything on All-Stars? Um, I don't think so. Oh, actually, no. Um, she won the... Or- placed in the top for the talent show and then had to lip sync against Benjela Crane. Right. But then I think Benjela ended up winning the lip sync. So that's technically then she didn't win. But like she still- I hate the weird up. all-star rules. Yes, yeah, she's okay. I'm still calling it a win. Um, Candy, you're wrong. Yeah, but like I'm but, trying to think. I was like, besides that, I was like, I don't know. I can't recall. Yeah, so I guess congrats to the defunct House of Aja for their first official win. <laughs> Amen and God bless. <laughs> Got Mick loves that she was compared to Phyllis Diller, and I'm still convinced there are a lot of Gen Zers who have no idea who Phyllis Diller is. I have um, no idea what's going on. Oh no! Oh, you're so young and sweet. No, no, innocent. I know, I know. What's oh, going on. oh, okay. I, I, oh, good. I was gonna say, I was like, end podcast here. No, 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 no. I 
God, I do my homework. I know what's go going on. Go I was like, I was like, I just, it's so funny because, you know, that I feel that happens with like a lot of drag race references, mm-hmm. like, even with some like the younger queens, you know, like RuPaul will, you know, will be like, you know, well, something obscure from like the seventies and like these young queens are like, well, like, they, they, they had they did the Charles Nelson Riley reference um, earlier on the season, and another Queens knew who that was. Yeah. And I was like, first off, I know Tina Burner knows who Charles Nelson Riley is, but okay, you had your moment, RuPaul, you're welcome. But no, I think it's it's important to know these references because history. But Got Mick is ready to go out on the roast tour because she's ready to read the bitches down because she's Got Mick. It's a top motherfucking five and. It is a milestone, but one of them has to go home next. Olivia is ready to fight for that spot in the top four, and Candy thinks it's going to be a fight. It's anyone's game, and that was our indication where things were going to happen this episode. But it is a coast-to-coast battle, L.A. versus New York. Who is going to take the crown? Are we shocked that it's L.A. versus New York at this point? Like, is that a given? You know, I feel like even, even if it isn't, LA versus New York, the LA Queens and the New York Queens will always find a way to make it LA versus New York. Yeah. You know, I feel like even if like that narrative if isn't explicit enough, I feel like, you know, LA and New York are such hubs for drag artistry that mm-hmm. there's always it's always gonna be, you know, a battle. Um, but you know, there's a reason why it's like there's so much drag there, is because like, you know, it just really like the resources are there, like you know, the bar there, like, you know, the sort of atmosphere is there. And, you know, obviously as you can see with this top five is like, it breathes a lot of really strong competition mm-hmm. and, you know, they, they're all there. They're all there to fight. And, you know, they all, you know, have like their own sort of way of doing drag. And I feel like it's, you know, they all bring something very unique and different to the table. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's New York is definitely the training ground for drag race at this point. Um, Cause like there is this, weird little legacy thing where a queen gets the call and then another queen takes their place at that show and then that queen gets the call and it's a repetitive cycle um though it'll be interesting to see how 14 um rolls out with covid and people leaving and stuff but i mean la and new york they have they they are as you said they're the hubs they have the resources no one should be surprised and no one should bitch that oh my god we have five queens from new york if they're giving you talent they're giving you talent like why what what's the issue like why are you complaining like exactly you know there there there's there's always going to be new york queens you know there's mm-hmm. always going to be la queens it's like you know if other like big central hubs for drag existed i'm sure that they would be you know i mean we had two from chicago so that was a, a, a first <laughs> i i mean honestly you know i think it's just you know it's like New York and LA are the main hubs. It's like, you know, Chicago has a, you know, a very strong drag scene and like there's other, you know, there's other pockets of it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even, um, I forget when they were discussing uh, during the season, but they were saying how like, you know, these big city girls, you know, had a lot of resources getting ready for the show, you know, Absolutely. Even with COVID. But like, look at like Utica, who's from like Bumblefuck Nowhere, like her getting ready for the show, you know, it was a lot of like, calling friends and other customers mm-hmm. that she's like friends with but you know it really like like i said the resources are there the advantages are there you know in la new york so like of course it's going to be a breeding yeah. ground for drag because the second been- that we have a season without a new york queen we know we've run out of drag queens in new york there will never be a short <laughs> it never will happen but it is a new day rose is ready to go and she feels like she belongs here she's not going anywhere 
And as they say, the table used to be full all the way around, but they've lost so many bitches at this point. Candy calls them all her best friend, um, but y'all, they all have to wait until, you know, the confessionals come out and we'll see how much that best friending is really happening. Rue arrives and we have to discuss something. We have to discuss the mustache. I knew you were going to say it because I saw it too. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck is on his face? Um, Like the suit is already loud with the gold and the black and like, the stash takes away from the credibility of the fashion, but it's terrible. It was so bad. Is it? That Do was a fake one, right? No, it was fake. It had to be fake. I was like, is it like one of those like 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 a lace front mustache? Like, it ha- yeah, I'm. RuPaul cannot grow facial hair that fast, right? I'm sure RuPaul lasers it away. I I'm sure he he either like he just doesn't grow uh, facial hair one or two. It's been lasered away. Yeah, but like I. I was like, I was like, there's no way. I was like, it, no, it was, it was totally fake. It was, it was definitely like, just it was, it was a choice, nonetheless. <laughs> it was definitely a choice. Um, but hey, you know, he's trying new things. Sure, we'll go with that. It was, he got us talking about it. Yeah. But the maxi challenge for the week will be an acting challenge. Henny, I shrunk the drag queens. Um, again, so many Gen Zers probably don't know the reference, but I hope they watched it on Disney Plus. I honestly, I hope so. This is, again, this is one of those things. It's like when it just blows my mind that like people like don't know about like mm-hmm. classic movies. Like I remember watching that like when I was a kid, and like I thought it like got it. Just like there's so much to unpack with people like not knowing like mm-hmm. like thing like things like that, especially. Now, to be fair, I am not necessarily someone who is up with the kids all the time. Uh, so there are definitely things like in the tech, tech TikTok age that I have no, no idea about. I just learned about the sea shanty thing. And I am yeah. mildly ob- obsessed with it, but like I, I understand it. Like sometimes it's it's hard to keep up with the the, the paces, but you got to know your history before you know your future. Yeah, that, and see that's kind of where I'm at. Is like you know I am, uh, you know a self proclaimed zillennial. You know the, mm-hmm. where it's very much like you know, little, a little bit of both worlds. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, knowing the history is so important. Like, you know, knowing references is like, you're not going to know all of them, right? but, you know, at least have an idea and like, don't be totally clueless. But I'm also very fortunate in the fact that, you know, I am a high school teacher outside of being a drag queen. Uh, so my students keep me pretty up to date with, you know, all the things that I quote unquote need to know. <laughs> so, you know, all the, the you know silly little things that are happening on TikTok or whatever is like you know my students will be talking about in class so you know yeah. I probably know more than I need to about so you you knew about the sea shanty the second it came out yeah <laughs> I I've I've heard it in class because you know my students mentioned it and I was like what are you talking about immediately had it pulled up and we were listening to it during class I was like good I'm glad this is what we're doing in English class today thank you <laughs> So the characters of this little m- movie we got going on, we have Dominique Perignon, the mean one who is power hungry and a little cray cray, Margarita, the smart one, she's sexy and a natural born leader, Brandy, the sarcastic one, is a real wisecracker, Chardonnay is the whiny one, and finally we have Ginger Ale, the dumb one, she's real sweet and real stupid. To help create the character's looks that you can use material from fabrics.com. Thanks, product placement that isn't used at all. 
literally like they I feel like the, I've, this has happened like every season where like they keep like talking about like you know that fabric wall mm-hmm. whoever is sponsoring it for that season and I cannot think of a single time when a queen is like oh fuck yeah I have this acting challenge all of these lines to memorize let me whip something up real right quick. right yeah when I was talking when I did the recap with Honey Davenport she was like yeah it's there we can use it we just don't have time to do anything besides what we are there to do yeah and that's that's kind of you know what i figured especially because then you know later in the episode you know the queens are sitting there like well shit like we're running out of clothes um which from what i've understand from you know listening to other podcasts and like other interviews and stuff is like that's a very common issue that like apparently isn't talked about enough um and i was like yeah sure like you know in a perfect world they'd be able to like whip something new up you know from whatever product placement wall there is that season yeah but Having Listen, this you is a completely other issue. It is hard to pack five five suitcases with fifty pounds each of drag. It, it it's very very difficult to you know add a lot of drag. I mean, I helped Honey get ready for the show, so I'm very well aware of the panic. Um, I I almost wonder if she was eliminated the way the moment she was because she didn't have any more boy clothes left because she deliberately didn't pack enough because she couldn't fit it all. She's like, I will, I will go on that in that workroom naked. I am putting my dragon and I don't care about my boy stuff. Yeah. Honestly, like, you know, like some of these, you know, I, I think about that sometimes too. I'm like some of these Queens, like, you know, uh, especially like, even like some of like the international seasons are like dressed really nice in the workroom. And I'm like, why? I'm like, right. Like, what's the point? Like, I get it. Like, you know, like they, you know, they have, you know, an image to uphold or like what have you. Um, But like, I even saw a tweet from Candy recently because everyone's been talking about her coochie cutter shorts. Um, And it was a screenshot like from the episode. And she was like, dead ass. I think I was just wearing boxers because I was out of shorts at that point. And it's just like these little like tiny gray shorts. And like, they really just look like Hanes boxers. Yeah. Yeah. It's a struggle. And and like the thing is, is like whatever you do in your audition tape, that's what they kind of want you to replicate in your confessional or your um, boy looks. So you have to like do all that. So Honey was like, they want me to bring freaking crop tops. I don't want to wear crop tops all the time. But that's what happens when you're, you're yo-ho. Yeah, I mean, you know, the more you know. So mm-hmm. you know, I guess, you know, whatever you want, you uh whatever you wear in your audition tape make sure you're comfortable wearing that you know, exactly in and around the workroom <laughs> so candy feels confident because she has ended up in the top in every acting challenge she's been in and i still say it's delusional but okay the girls look at the scripts they are hefty and they realize that the characters are very familiar because they are virtually them so the challenge is be yourself or be somebody else now let's let's discuss yeah. The characters are supposed to be like them. I'm assuming this script was written prior to this episode, maybe a, a week or two beforehand. Mm-hmm. Do they know who was going to be here or were they fussing around a little bit? I mean, I think maybe what they could have done is like what they've done in the past when, you know, like all star seasons, when like they assign queens certain things, they have like mm-hmm. certain parts that are interchangeable. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I definitely think that it was a little suspicious that, you know, these archetypes fit them so well. But again, I kind of look at it as like, it's like a Zodiac. Like if you make mm-hmm. it general enough, people will be like, all right, yeah, that sounds like me. You mean Zodiac memes are not real? 
<laughs> Blasphemous. Shocking. You mean I post too many of them and then people are like, stop it, please? I mean, listen, I've been there too. Like, sometimes I'm like reading something. I'm like, I feel called out. I'm reposting this. Yep, that's that's literally what I do now. So Olivia wants to play ginger ale. Mick thinks that she should not be trying to be the shy girl thing again. Rosé wants brandy. Got Mick wants to play Chardonnay, which leaves Candy and Simone both wanting to play Dominique. They are both very adamant that they should get the part. So how will they figure out? Will we have Elliot's audition room? I don't know. No, he's not there. So Candy doesn't think she can play Margarita because she's a natural born leader and smart. Dominique is the villain, crazy and delusional, a.k.a. Candy Muse. At least she's finally admitting she's delusional. Yeah, I mean, you know, being self-aware is the first step. Yeah. Candy really pushes that Simone is Margarita based on the description. Rosé says that out of the two of them, Simone really is the smart one. So she reluctantly takes on the part. She doesn't want it because it's dry and not necessarily a fun role, but she knows she can play both roles, so she's not going to fight. As Candy says, she did not come here to give up her part, so she's going to win. She will do anything to win. Cue the maniacal laughter. Who would you have picked in this challenge? Ooh. Um, I don't know. I feel like being the villain would always, like, it would always be, like, really fun. Um, And, you know, I sort of... I understand, like, you know, they want the parts that they wanted, but I really think it's about what you do with the part because, like, the lines are there and you can't do much with it. Right. But, you know, like, look at, like, what Got Mick did with, like, the sneeze and, like, being attacked by the cat paw. Like, you know, all those, like, nuances that she put in were fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like, so it's really, like, it doesn't matter what character you get. It really matters, like, what you do with it. But if it were me, it was, like, I I just would have wanted to, like, play the villain and just been, like, a bitch. So you want to you want to play Dominique? Yes, I would have wanted to be. All right. Dominique. Okay. Okay. Now, now I understand you. You are a villain through and through. <laughs> hey, okay, you know what? If it makes good TV, if it makes a good podcast, sure. There you go. So they're gonna read through this a little bit. They're laughing through it. Candy says that they can be themselves because the roles are just them. Candy jokes that Rose should have no problem being Butch, to which she rubs her face, and we hear the scruff. I'm going to say that was some like Foley work. I don't think that was like really they could hear it because like that was loud. I don't know. I mean, I, I thought the same thing, but I also then like thought for a second. It's like I'm pretty like 98 percent sure that like they're all like mic'd too when they're right. in the workroom. So mm-hmm. like if they did that and she were mic'd, it probably I mean, they definitely could like turn the volume up on it. But, like, I, yeah, they definitely did something. that. Yeah. The queens start going through their wardrobe, and as we discussed already, they barely have any drag left because it's the end of the competition. But Rosé puts on a what she calls a butch pink wig, and Candy is then reminded of her favorite fallen angel, Joey J. I miss Joey J dearly. Um, Joey J, if you're listening, I will still marry you if you're interested. I love the little... Um... Oh God, what is it called? When they like flash like all of his pictures, they like they made mm-hmm. it look like he was dead. Yes, <laughs> like it was like it was. Yeah, I mean, is Joey J dead in the Drag Race world? Probably. Are we seeing Dra- Joey J on All Star season? Probably not. But it's always nice to be reminded of the eye candy of the season. The, the I think the trade of the season. I was gonna say I was like you know I was he he will be remembered as the the trade of the season. Absolutely. I don't think anyone's gonna argue on that. No. So Candy says that you can't wear green in front of a green screen. She's finally smart. She understands what a green screen does. 
Simone is freaking out because she didn't get the role she wanted. Everything she wants to wear is not suitable for a green screen. And she starts to think about her house, the house of Avalon, and how they are perfectionists. And she doesn't want to let any of them down. She doesn't want to be the person with four wins, but three lip syncs scrambling to get to the top. She doesn't want to look like a fool. But before she can cry about it, the alarm goes off. Who could it be? It's Scarlett Johansson. It's Black Widow and Olivia's Living. Um, we learned that Scarlett is a fan of the show, and it's been a dream of hers to, be, to participate. Expect an actual visit to the judges' table in the future. Why Scarlett Johansson, of all the Hollywood celebrities that are sitting at home during quarantine? Why was it ScarJo? Beats me. I was like, I don't know. I mean, it, it's like one of those things, like, you know, like, why is anyone a guest judge early? You know, like, why... You know, yeah. why is, you know, this person, you know, the one who decides to do like a walkthrough? I guess it's just because, you know, they ask them, they say yes. And and it's really, yeah. it's kind of cool to be, to like, I don't want to say like, oh my God, they're celebrities, they're just like us. But they're kind of just like us because they're fans of the show the way we are. Yeah, you know, it's like they're sitting at home, they have nothing better to do. I'm sure they're overwhelmed by the amount of drag race that's happening. You know, they probably sit at home in their pajamas judging the runways the same yeah. way that we do. So I, I would love to know like what other celebrities really are diehard fans of the show and like maybe maybe there's some other a-listers who we can get onto the show at one point because like it's always about like the a-list musicians and and their moments on the show like in that first episode and it's like you got like miley and gaga and and christina like where are like the a-list celebrities who get to have their moments like like scarjo and ann hathaway that's kind of cool yeah i mean you know it's because it's one of those things that's like you know you wouldn't think that you know they're sitting at home watching drag race yeah then again, you never really know. Could you see like Anne Hathaway in like a disguise going to a West Hollywood gay bar to watch a drag race viewing? I mean, honestly, I feel like it, anything's possible. It's definitely possible. Um, but yeah, so she's there to offer acting advice. One of the questions, how do we act against imaginary monsters? She says that acting is all about making a situation that's unreal feel very real. You need a lot of conviction and to believe in yourself. Candy asks about how to get into character if you're playing a villain. She says that you need to love the character you're playing, even if you're evil to the core, and you need to have a lot of sympathy for them. Good thing um, no one asked her any questions about playing another race. Yeah. Oh, Scarlett Johansson, you are still problematic, but we love you. I was like, yeah, we're just, we're just going to leave that there. <laughs> Mick asks about how to stand out when you have not a lot of lines. Um, and Scar just says, no small parts, only small queens. Make the character in your mind and make the character feel really complete. And then we get a cameo from another crush of mine, Colin Jost, who asks if the movie will be called Size Queens. Baby, you're one to talk. I, 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 don't, I, I, think, I, I think Colin Jost is probably not a size queen. Just, just, just predicting it. Um, the way they make fun of him on Saturday Night Live, I'm just assuming. I'm assuming. Yeah, but it was cool to see him. I, I, I adore him. Yeah, you know, I think you know, it's like this season more than ever is like it was probably you know they couldn't have you know the guest judges and the cameos and such they normally would. So you know, I'm glad that there's you know they're able to you know have yeah these. these it's part of the it's there. part of the experience. Oh, and be like, oh my God, there's Ariana Grande. There's Adam Lambert. There's Baby Spice. So it's kind of cool to have like these celebrities still involved this season. And 
I'm sure All-Star 6 will have a similar thing where they're going to have like a rotation of judges and have cameos here and there. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it ever gets released because, you know, that Paramount Plus thing and the fans, quote unquote, revolting against it. Oh, please. I was like, they'll, they'll get over themselves. They Listen, are so hungry one, for Grace. There, Once a little um, twink finds someone who has a Paramount Plus uh, login, they will be mooching off of it and getting that password. They're, they'll be watching. Don't worry. Exactly. Simone says it's surreal to have gotten this far and have the chance to speak to Scarlett Johansson. Um, it's the time to, you know, give it all you got. What question would you have asked Scarlett ScarJo? Um, I know. I feel like I probably would have asked something similar about, you know, how do you, you know, act as something that's not actually there? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because of course, it, you know, it's, I mean, that's something we've seen happen quite a few times this season, you know, where they're, you know, they're acting to someone or something that's not actually there and there's stuff that's put in after effects. Um, so I feel like my question would been very similar. It's like, how do you sort of go about, you know, acting with someone or something that's not actually there? Yeah. Well, speaking of acting, it's time to start acting and it's, we're going to be shooting with Michelle and Carson because they have literally nothing else to do. So there's, they're our directors. Yeah. Uh, do you have any, any of an acting background at all? Um, well, I actually got my, uh, start in theater, uh, on stage. Yes. Um, what was your first role? Um, I, you know, I was, um, I was mostly- Were you Oliver? What? Were you Oliver? No. (laughs) I hate that it's not the first time I've gotten that though. Um, (laughs) but no, um, I, you know, I was, uh, mostly like ensemble, um, Mm -hmm. was never really, you know, like, uh, the, the lead, um, but- what ironically enough, uh, what ended up happening was once the uh, directors found out that, you know, I could so do hair and do makeup, obviously not to the extent that I do it now, sure. uh, they kind of were like, we're taking you off of the stage and we're putting you like in charge of like with the crew and everything, uh, which honestly was 10 times more fun. Um, Absolutely. The, the actors are all backstabby and shitty people. And, you know, it's, I mean, have you like, seen? Have you met a drag queen before? I mean, listen. <laughs> I was like, that's the pot calling the kettle black. Um, <laughs> but the moral of the story here is, you know, it's like I I felt much more suited um, to be on the technical side of things, and I felt that it allowed me to show my creativity um, in a better way. So then, you know, after that, then you know, I became the head of the hair, makeup, and costuming department. And there were a handful of shows when I was the hair, makeup, and costume department as <laughs> one human. Uh, but, you know, I was, like, very fortunate uh, for yeah. the experience because, you know, it has now created the monster that you see in front of you. Or, well, you know, I guess behind me, but, you know, you've seen <laughs> that on Instagram. So you, yeah. get, you get what I'm getting. You're getting at there. Yeah, I mean, listen, you don't need to have an acting background to be on Drag Race, but it's, it helps a little bit. So even if you acted in one play, you'll, you'll know how to make actual choices. Exactly. Hopefully successful choices. Yeah, that's the team. So we get a series of size jokes again because they're playing tiny queens and, you know, gay people love to make jokes about tiny things. I know, shocking. We'll focus on the jokes when we get to the full screening, but we're going to focus mostly here on the filming portion. Um, Simone is struggling because she is not finding the strength. So Michelle has to direct her a little bit. And she's having difficulty acting against nothing. And that was her question for ScarJo. So good, good foreshadowing there. Yep. Olivia uh, notes that she is using the factory voice. 
um, which is returned and believes that this is her just second guessing the character because she doesn't know what else to do. But again, she's kind of typecast herself as the strong factory woman. So if, why wouldn't she bring out that voice? See, and this is, this is the thing. It's like, you know, sort of to ba- going back to like, you know, when they're picking characters, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Olivia is really the only one that's been read by the judges or critiqued, let's say, yeah. read, um, at this point for, you know, character choices and always playing that sweet, delightful mm-hmm. kind of character. And I don't recall any of the other queens getting that same sort of critique. So, you know, it, I guess it, it doesn't really matter if, you know, she's sort of like resorting back to what she knows because- If it know, works, it works. Exactly. And, you know, she hasn't been critiqued for it. So throw it out the exactly. wall. Well, speaking of voices, Candy is losing her voice as um, even the subtitles are struggling to understand what she is saying. Um, but the problem is she's not saying her line, my beautiful wickedness. She just keeps fucking it up and saying her line completely wrong. And Michelle and Carson are trying to work with her about it. it she's, she's just not listening. Yeah, I think she, she's just, I think she was just so in her head about like the delivery of it. And then yeah. she just keeps yelling it and she's like yelling it wrong. Um, I wouldn't say it was, uh, you know, the same as, um, you know, Opulence. Right, uh, right, um, right. Oh, what was that? Season, Season 11. 11. Yeah. Um, it didn't have the same energy as that. Uh, but it definitely like harkened back to it for a moment where I was like, listen to what they're saying and say what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Take a moment, take a breath, then do it. Yeah. And then start yelling again. Well, Simone thinks she would have done a better job at Dominique and it's probably right. But we have a special effect moment where they are going to be climbing up a sewing machine cord. And let's be honest. If we watch that the, the filming, the four of them are in four different films because they are all doing it completely differently. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, and even... Where are the directors on this one? Like, th- some of them are making it look, like, super easy. And then others, it's like, you know, they're, like, really struggling with it. But, I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm like, y'all are fully padded, cinch, tucked, heels, the whole thing. Nothing about climbing up a sewing machine cord would be easy where it's the struggle yeah it's called acting um yeah they didn't get any direction on this but candy believes that olivia is stuck in what she knows and no one is smiling and happy 24 7 if there is a person out there who is um smiling 24 7 i would like to meet you and borrow some of your happiness because i think we could all use some you know 24 7 smiles like i want to know like like what do you how do you do it like, yeah what, what are, you, are you on what are you on and how do i get a prescription exactly so simone calls olivia the urkel of the group um because she just questions everything even though she knows damn well how she's gonna do it this little montage we kind of saw previously in the season of um olivia asking questions why are they making fun of it why are they making her look bad right here I know. I, I think it's like one of those things where like, you know, it felt like forceful editing where it was like, you know, we know these things happen and I'm sure the other queens were asking questions just as well. But like, why are they picking on the fact that Olivia is asking questions and like wants to understand, especially because I feel that I would I would be very similar in the fact that like I want to know what's going on. And like, sure, I'll ask like a million questions. And I don't even think the whole thing is like she knows what's going on is like even remotely true like 
she's asking valid questions about like, you know, is do I have to look at this camera or that camera or like things yeah. like that? Those are completely valid because you don't know if the cameras are all rolling at the same time or if they're going to switch between the two or like whatever. Like, it, it just felt like very forceful editing to me. No, it totally was. And Olivia has a theater degree. She has a theater background. That's normal. It's yeah, like if you, you need to know, like what direction do I need to act? Yeah, to? Act, asking questions while you're filming or rehearsing or whatever that's a thing you should be doing. And that's actually a good actor. And I understand that this is a reality show. You need, you know, this is her uh, elimination episode. You need to make her look bad and, and potentially have a reason to eliminate her. But for someone who does have a theater background as well, I was like, you know what? This is just me. And I, I could do without this moment. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's like I've worked in theater. Like that's where I got my start. So I understand that like questions aren't a bad thing. You want to make sure that everyone's on the same page. And when everyone's on the same page, it makes sure that the end product is the best that it can be. Absolutely. Rosé does her best Jerry Lewis and really only has one fumble that leads to everyone laughing. Um, But she's doing well. She asked for a line once and and I think Rosé is really killing it. I mean, Gottmik thinks Rosé has grown so much. It's the perfection is still there, but she's having fun. And as if God Mick is calling her one to watch, that is something we as viewers should need to know as well. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny while we're talking about Rosé, I want to mention something because um, I know now that I'm looking at the, uh, the picture behind you, but I was thinking about this when I was watching the episode. Um, obviously the people listening cannot see what I'm seeing, <laughs> but you know, it is the four Queens that they're now shrunken down and seeing all four of their outfits next to each other. Why does Rosé look like she's cast in like a superhero movie? Because it's probably a superhero look that she had made for something. Yeah, well, it's yeah, ridiculous. So, I mean, like, it's just like, because like, you know, Olivia, Simone, and Gottmik are all like, you know, like a little like short, like party dresses, mm-hmm. you know, like something like dancing. And even Candy party. as well. And even, yeah, Candy too had like that dress with like, you know, the slit on the side. But I'm like, Rosé is like, I'm going to wear like this pink superhero look. Um, but I actually do know what she had it made for because uh, she's talked about it on Instagram. Uh, this was her signature drag look um, that they were like supposed to bring. So like uh, this makes a lot of sense for Rosé. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the challenge, I, I couldn't stop thinking. I was like, why does she look like a, like some like superhero? Like yeah. this like very much like like Mrs. Incredible, you know, like very much just like the, the type. Yeah, because like, like the, the like, whole point out. is that they're coming back from the runway. So they should all be in the same style. Maybe, yeah. maybe whatever. I, I no, I can't make excuses up. I can't do it. There's nothing. I got no backstory for it. Yeah, I mean, listen. I was like, I, I, I just like I had that thought while I was watching the episode. Yeah. Like, once you talked about Rosé, I was like, I looked at it again. I was like, wait, I remember. Why does she look like a superhero? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? very interesting. Everyone else looks like they're coming from the same runway, but Rosé is an illegal around. That's true. That's true. Well, Carson whispers to Michelle that Rosé is a very good actress, very technically strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and once upon a time, I actually reviewed Rosé when as Ross um, in a play and gave him a glowing review. So if you want to go find that review, it's somewhere on my website, theatermanow.com. I don't remember what it, I wrote about them, but it was it was good. I remember. Um, that because I mean, Rose and I have a, 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 a past. We, we, I was part of the um judging panel that crowned her Lady Liberty, which really helped elevate her. And the first show I ever was supposed to produce uh with drag queens, um, she was going to be a part of, and then she 
left the show Drag Array, which was a singing cabaret show, show tunes, uh, because she was just joining um, a new group of her own uh, with her sisters, uh, Jan and Laguna. So I almost had her first. I'm not bitter about it. No, 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 no. Not at all. Not at all. So we're getting to Chardonnay's big scene, and the character is allergic to cats, and she's about to get attacked by a giant cat. And we get a sneeze montage, which apparently sneezing is very funny. Um, I am a little allergic to cats, so I understand the the, the struggle here for Chardonnay. Um, very interesting to see um, Got Mick go ham getting scratched by a cat i'm not gonna lie i i really thought that was hilarious okay yeah i think i know i just think this this um you know we'll talk about when we get to the the final products but i thought this is one of the best acting challenges that i've seen i agree i agree on drag but i think you know like again we were you know we've been talking about choices got made some very strong choices and stuck with them and I thought that they were hilarious. Yeah, they 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 were good. And like again, the montage was definitely in Got Mick's favor. Mm-hmm. But Candy gets to play the cat paw as she gets to dangle this giant pole of furry something. Um, and yeah, this really was Got Mick's being stupid moment. And Carson Scheller just giving her direction. It is very funny, but it was it was it was definitely overboard and good for reality television. Um, oh, absolutely. Gottmik said it was the most fun she's ever had in her entire life. And if that's the most fun, I hope you have more fun in the future. <laughs> yeah, was like, you know, I was like, I love that for you. I love you had a good time. But like, if that's where the bar is. <laughs> right. It. Well, that's a wrap. We'll see how the edit turns out and see how the special effects um, play a part in this little show. Mm-hmm. Today determines who is going to be in the top four. The crown is right there and everyone can taste it. Simone poses the question how everyone is feeling. Candy would love to have another win after coming off of a win. Rosé doesn't think that there was really one part that was more massive than the other in this challenge and says it's up to them as individuals and what the judges will think. Simone is in her head because she is worried how people back home will perceive her. And this is now the second time in this episode that we're hearing this. Being so close to Gigi and coming in this season after her, the pressure to do well is exhausting. She feels after doing so horribly in the roast and having to lip sync, she's feeling shitty and doesn't want to disappoint anyone. She is breaking down and she doesn't want to fizzle out um, because she wants to prove that she can make it. She doesn't want that to be her story. Based on TV reality show edits, this is definitely the winner's redemption episode. So I say just crown the bitch now, but I'm not going to say this is her Alaska PayPal $10,000 moment, but it's definitely in the trajectory of the same moment. This is her down moment and trying to break up from it. We haven't really seen that from any of the other contestants. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, it's reality TV and like, you know, the editing is going to play a huge part in it. Yeah. you know, I do think in the past, you know, and even earlier this season, we saw, you know, the queens are very aware of, you know, their drag family or their drag sisters yeah. you know, being on the previous seasons and, you know, either A, doing better than them or B, you know, holding up whatever, you know, legacy, you know, they had, you know, like we saw, you know, in the very beginning of the season when Candy was talking about Dahlia, 
mm-hmm. and you know being um and you know Aja as well and being like you know like my you know I was a I think her exact words were um a, a rue girl adjacent yeah uh, you know where you know she felt a certain type of way to hold up the legacy that they had left because they'd been there and I think Simone is in a weird spot because you know coming right off of season 12 with Gigi making it all the way to the top four especially the house of Avalon is such you know they are well known like it's you know they have a certain image or expectations to uphold like she definitely I I think you know her getting in her head makes a lot of sense because she wants to make sure that you know not she's not only holding up her own standard but the standard that is associated with you know that drag house name the house of Avalon yeah, it, it's it's really interesting because I mean we we all can have debates forever um, about that final three last season. Um, would things have changed if the climate was slightly different at the time? Um, because I, I I for so long thought Gigi was going to win that season, and then the murder of George Floyd happened and Black Lives Matter, and then Gigi putting out that misinformed, terribly timed tweet um about the finale saying she can't breathe um terrible timing and i think that really was the moment where Gigi definitely lost it um because there was no way in hell rue could crown her um so there is an extra pressure because there is a world where Gigi could have won and simone coming in the season behind her having to step up to that um those shoes but i think simone really is a winner compared to Gigi. she she is she's a star and she's an important voice no, and, you know, I think that, um, backtrack to Gigi for a second, because um, I also um, read something recently that was saying that Gigi lost this season uh, when she said that she wasn't politically minded, um, being, Correct. you know, being, again, the atmosphere of the season and everything else that was going on, sort of, sort of shot herself in the foot, you know, and said she wasn't politically minded, that and even because that's all speculation but even then there was the whole thing where she had to refilm her uh finale because she rented a studio and you know almost got disqualified right regardless um you know but i think that uh you know the reason why like simone has done so much with her drag and even like on the show like Mm -hmm. i you know my immediate thought is like her fascinator look is you know i think a lot of people and myself included at first, I really wrote Simone off as, you know, she's very much a look queen. Like, you know, she's pretty, she knows what she's doing. She knows how to dress her body. Uh, and, you know, when, you know, she turned around that faster look and, you know, she started talking about how, yeah. you know, her drag has so much power and she wants to use this platform to do better. I was like, oh shit, she's smart. She yep. knows that she has a platform now or well, not, you know, you know, now that she's being on the show, she has a yeah. platform and she has a following and she understands what she can do with it. And that's powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see how the next couple episodes go, but can we talk about Rosé's color corrector? Because we're having this very important, deep conversation about her letting herself out and potentially saying something bad while she's all orange on that face. You know Bro, look I've, how orange that looks. You know what else I've noticed? I don't know if it was just, um, I noticed this episode, but it seems like Rosé has always been like color correcting like orange. 
But I've noticed this episode too, the other queens, it seems like their faces are getting oranger and oranger when they're color correcting. Because even like Candy, when she was sitting at that mirror, like her face was like bright (laughs) orange. I was like, are they just like passing around like the same like orange Krylon stick or something? Yeah. Because like, I feel like they this was not happening when they were, you know, the, the getting ready montage in the, like the last couple of episodes, but I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, yeah. I mean, it was a little distracting to have this like deep moment from her. I'm like, I don't know what you said. I'm just looking at why your face is so orange. You're literally orange from the nose down. Yeah. I mean, and like, listen, as, as Tina Bernard called her, she's a caveman, Scottish caveman. She can, she can grow a beard. There, there, there's, there's a lot of facial hair there. I mean, I'm sure you have a similar issue. Yeah, um, you gotta do what you gotta do. Color correcting yeah. is, you know, it's a necessary evil, but I don't think painting the bottom half of your face orange is necessary. Right. But hey, to she looks gorgeous. Her, exactly. I, I, guess I was like, you know, at the end of the day, she looks like a woman. So I guess that's the secret is exactly orange. <laughs> So they just start to discuss uh, who the first person they saw in media that made them feel like them. Olivia says that it was the Black Cinderella. Uh, Simone agrees. And Gottmik says that she never saw anyone like her on TV because all they had was Chaz Bono. And that was too masculine. And that was not who they were. It set Gottmik back a little bit. And they believe that if there was someone like them on television when they were a kid, there would have been years cut off of their journey. And this was another moment where like, okay, I mean, you're now making me think that God, Mick has a chance to win the crown because this is a very important story arc. Yeah. Um, but God, Mick doesn't get why there's expectations that they're that in the trans community, you hold them up and they're either Barbie or Ken and there's no in between. God, Mick wants to be the start point for people as femme little gays get them little guys wearing dresses on drag race it's a really interesting conversation about would it have been easier to come out if there were more people like us on television at a young age um you and i are different generations Uh, we we, we have a bit of an age gap i'm sure what was it like for you because for me i kind of feel the same way as them where it's like there was no one on television when i was growing up besides like will and grace and you saw um jack being overly flamboyant and i was like but that's not me yeah you know i still think to a certain extent there is a lot that needs to be done as far as queer representation like Gottmik was saying is like them existing on this show is revolutionary as far as you know just trans representation but i still feel to a certain extent as far as we've come and as accepting as, you know, the the newer generations are becoming, the representation of queer people on television is still very stereotypical. Absolutely. Still, it's still very much like cookie cutter, still very offensive stereotypes. And, you know, and because that's just, you know, people feel comfortable when you know, stereotypes are portrayed because that's just kind of what they expect. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, and as shitty as it is to say, is like, you know, people are just very comfortable with these stereotypes. And, you know, when people challenge them, you know, no one, no one really likes that. But, you know, I think that, you know, we have made steps in the right direction as far as queer representation, but I still think there is much work to be done as far as 
you know, let's not have, you know, every queer character be so cookie cutter, so stereotypical, because that's going to do more harm than good. Absolutely. And it's, again, it's like, when I was a kid and I was watching Nickelodeon and Disney Channel, there, there were no official gay characters. Like, the closest thing to the gay character we saw would be Ryan from High School Musical. And that was still, you know, don't, don't say anything, it's not true, but you kind of know it is. But now you have these shows on Nickelodeon and, and, and Disney Channel where there are queer characters and they are, from what I've heard, like portrayed as real humans as, as opposed to stereotypes. So there is progress to be made, but I definitely understand that um, sentiment of if there was more representation earlier, it would definitely help the process because it, it takes people to find the courage. And sometimes the courage is to see someone that looks feels like them yeah like see you know to see someone who like looks like them feels like them is going through the same thing is someone that they can relate to in some yeah. way, shape or form i love these mirror talks because we do get the to have these real important conversations and i think that's why emmy voters like to award drag race the emmy every year yeah uh, but you know i i like the mirror talks when they don't feel forced because there have definitely been a handful of that's- times when you know, they're having these important conversations, which, you know, I cannot downplay the importance of, but, you know, sometimes when these important conversations come out of nowhere, it makes you raise an eyebrow as to, was this something that, you know, they were kind of like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, let's talk about this, or something that kind of happened organically because somebody, you know, felt the need to discuss it. Yeah. I mean, the story producers in, uh, in the U.S. I hear are very much telling them what do sometimes as opposed to the more natural conversations we hear at the mirror in the uk where those conversations just come out of nowhere so yeah there's that's kind of why the uk sometimes feels a little better but you know what the u.s is starting to get there we're we're slowly getting there absolutely runway time rue comes out looking like a boss with that dripping those dripping pieces sequins i love this look this is a good look um best of the night for her better than that the entrance look yeah, better than that that lace stash. Yeah. We got Michelle and Carson, and they are joined by a new guest judge, not in the rotation. It's the superstar known as Cynthia Revo. Um, what? How? But I'm not mad, but how? Why? I don't, you know, I was wondering the same thing because it, I'm sure, you know, with COVID restrictions that it had to be the same rotation of guest judges. Right. How they made this happen, I have no idea, but I'm not asking questions. I am grateful we are seeing a fresh face. Yeah, and and a uh, A-list, I would call Cynthia Arrivo A-list at this point, right? She's, yeah. she's got I w- she's, I would based, so. she's gonna get an EGOT one day. Um, but yeah, it was really cool to see Cynthia Arrivo. Um, I'm sure there was some sort of filming thing where she probably was on like the same lot or something, so she was already in like the quarantine circle or bubble. Because you don't just pull someone like that out of nowhere. Yeah, like there, there had to be some sort of something where like, you know, she was next door, across the street. Right. Some, somebody somewhere was able to pull strings and make it work. That doesn't just, given the circumstances, there is exactly. no way that could have just happened. So we're going to swap things around a little bit and discuss the film before the runway. That way we can include the judges' critiques as we discuss mm-hmm. each contestant. So... We're going to talk about Hanny has shrunk the drag queens. Um, it is a Ruko vision, uh, Ruko picture, uh, throwback to the monster films of yore. So we start the scene like it's after the critiques and in Untucked. And I love that they actually film these Untucked scenes in the workroom 
but the main stage was green screen but that's a different story yeah um and speaking of green screen let's just get it out of the way now um some of the editing of the queens was horrendous it was so bad like that green glow around olivia the entire time Mm -hmm. come on that's your job to edit a green screen what happened see the only the only thing that like i could rationalize with because i've done work with green screens before um because i noticed the same thing uh with simone but particularly it was around their hair yeah when you have you know um like texture like frizzy hair or like feathers or you know things that aren't like smooth lines it's very hard to get like in the the crevices and the crevasses of right. you know the the hair or whatever the texture is um but you know it's like that that's you know that's it was hard enough for them to be able to find outfits that weren't going to reflect green right. or so green like it's a whole other thing if they're like oh you need to wear like really sleek straight hair so that you don't get a green halo around your body. And it's so interesting because it's not like this is the first time we've ever seen the green screen effect on Drag Race. Like, they've done it before. Like, they did it this season. Yeah. What happened for this challenge? It was, maybe maybe I just didn't notice it as badly in previous episodes, but this one was bad, especially on yeah. Olivia. Olivia got the worst. Yeah. So, on this main stage, Dominique gets named as the one who should be going home. Is this foreshadowing for later in the episode? You bet your ass it is. Dominique is triggered and that her name was said. So the inciting incident is that she is going to be causing an evil reign that they said she should go home. The girls don't like Dominique because she steals wigs, puts kitty litter in her in makeup, and hot glues dresses to dummies. Oh, wait, that was her inner saboteur. Sure, sure, Jan. I can't believe we still have to listen to this inner saboteur bullshit. Like, can we just retire it? It's not working anymore. Yeah, I mean, like, I thought it was, you know, the evil twin idea was a cool idea for the runway, but the whole, like, the whole- Every season now! But, like, uh, I don't know. I feel like, how the hell do you critique someone's inner saboteur? Like, how do you critique the voice inside someone's head? Like, they're like, oh, like, your inner saboteur isn't mean enough. Like, what? Right. I hope that including this line was like the nod to the haha, we're in on the joke also. We know it's ridiculous. I hope. We'll see. We'll see, we'll see next season how many times Rue brings up the uh, term interceptor when she does her walkthroughs. Yeah, let's just hope and pray it's minimal, if not at all. It's true. So Dominique will do anything to win and flips the toxic overhead lighting switch. What becomes of them? They all shrink. Okay, cool. It's a monster movie. If we're going sci-fi, fine. That's a thing. But yes, it is true. Drag queens hate overhead lighting. You know, I think the the best part about this acting challenge was like, besides the fact that like they were basically playing themselves, was that it was so like self-aware. Yeah. And the fact that they were it like, was a good oh. script. Yeah, it was. And you know, God, I mean, I think back to like the musical this season, that was that was yeah. questionable. So I was, yeah, I was yeah. glad to see, you know, a you know, some good writing. It's true. So we get our first real green screen moment of the uh, film where they are all falling into this little circle thing. And it was cute. But again, they were not in the same movie because they were all doing it a different way. Olivia was just sitting. Everyone else is flailing their arms and she's just not doing anything. 
So I'm not sure if it was a character choice, her inability to go further, but she did stand out. Yeah, but was it was she standing out for the right reasons? Exactly. So the only way to get back to normal size is to go across the workroom and activate the shade button. But it's so far away, they'll never make it. Might as well be on Uranus. We love butt jokes. Ha ha. Again, what is a Drag Race episode without <laughs> a good innuendo? It's true. Um, I do. Lo- I did love that tiny voice scream for help moment. I thought that was very smart, very cute. Mm-hmm. Um, again, when we hear the feet coming and they're all shaken, um, Olivia is the one who did the least. Again, she needed to commit a little more to get the same uh, effect out of that. Yeah. But Michelle comes in and can't see or hear the queen, so she decides to mop the makeup, and it's just product placement for the wow candles. That's all it was. Again, what is a Drag Race episode with good product placement? Exactly. Do you have um, a wow candle yet, or the the um, the hunt candle as they as it shows? Uh, no, I do not. <laughs> well, we'll start a GoFundMe so you can get one. Please, honestly, <laughs> it was like start a start a GoFundMe for my dumbass. The best cameo was right behind me. Oh, I can my shoulders in the way, but it's the Dela lipstick. Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, honestly, I again, and I think it was like the little, like the little things that, you know, really like made this when you know, like kept saying, like, oh my god, like, you know, who cleans up the workroom? Like, why is this yeah. gym- the thing that I want to know though? Like, and this is so dumb, but I want to know if that's like the actual lipstick or if like somebody had to like recreate like the De La lipstick. I bet you. That lipstick is sitting in RuPaul's dressing room, at, in like the, the like stone. yeah it, that thing like because if I were Bendela Cram I would have knowing Bendela Cram she would have auctioned it off for charity, so I know she doesn't have it. True, I I am sure production has that lipstick and is ready to pounce on any monetary gain they could get out of it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that'd be the, you know, the, the smart thing to do, but you know, part of me was like, I wonder if that is the real lipstick. If it, if it wasn't, whoever wrote it was, did a very good job. Yeah. They run when they feel a pack of wild elephants coming, but no, no, it's just Dominique. I thought we weren't making any more fat jokes. Yeah. I thought we'd move past the fat jokes, but, but the audience has no problem with this one. This is what I was saying last week on the podcast where the, the, the fandom just picks and chooses what is offensive and what's not offensive. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think it's like with most things, it's like, you know, it's, you know, the, the rules only apply when there's a certain gain to be had. Correct. And, you know, being that, you know, Candy does not have the favor of most Drag Race viewers they were kind of like, oh, it's okay if we make a fat joke towards Candy because we don't like her. Yeah. Which, come on. Yeah, it's, it's a, it was unfortunate, but Dominique calls for the pussy and Ginger Ale says, look over there, because we have to have that, because that was our quote of last season. Of course. Um, the whole cat scene with Chardonnay, I'm going to say it was a lot funnier in filming. Yeah. And I think it was, I think it was... The reason why it wasn't funnier the second time was because they used all the same clips that they used the first time. Correct. 
Yeah. So, you know, the whole like montage that we got with like the big buildup to the sneeze and like all of like, you know, the the funny little bits where, you know, Gottmik's legs are spread and like, you know, starts like twerking with the cat paw, like things like that. We'd already seen that. Right. During the, the filming of it. So we saw all the best parts already. Yep. Yep. Brandy had the least lines, but Rosé really nailed each and every one of them. She did a very, very good job making it her own. Um, so then we get the suggestion from Margarita that they use the sewing machine, uh, but Ginger Ale doesn't know how to sew. And the punchline is, you came to Drag Race and don't know how to sew. What season is this? As we Again, discussed earlier, funny. Self-aware. That yeah. was, because that, that's always my thing. It's like, and there's, you know, there's, you know, as the Drag Race fan, there's always going to be a queen every season, does not know how to sew. Yeah. And the fact that they put that in there, I was like, Season 14, if we have a queen that comes in the workroom and says, I can't sew, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. I, I Again, this, these were the smart moments. Um, the climb was really just a way to drop ScarJo references. It was really bad. Um, even in, in the rehearsal, didn't love it. But they see this shade button, but it's physically impossible to get there. So Ginger Ale says that Rue always, said, always says that drag gives them superpowers. And then we get the punchline from Brandy, who deadpan says it's a figure of speech. She did well. Good, good reading from Simone. Yeah. Uh, from Rose. So they're going to take one giant t- step for drag kind and they jump and bounce off of India Fair's bl- breastplate. Remember her? Remember her from uh, uh, All Star season where she shouldn't have been on? Yeah. I mean, you know, she was, she was there. She did things. Yeah. Of, all the references in all the seasons of all the queens. India Farah, really? That's the one you could have pulled? I mean, I guess because they had to think, you know, it was like what queen is like known for like always having the same big busted silhouette. I guess, I guess. Because like, and even like now, like I'm thinking of, I'm like, I can't think of like, maybe, why didn't they do like, like Nina Benina Brown? Like, right. Well, because the show hates her. Okay, <laughs> they don't but, like her, so they're not going to yeah. put her. But, you know, I, I guess... You know, I was like, she's the only other queen that I can think of, you know, yeah. like, you know, her hip pad to her breastplate. Exactly. And like what what I again, what I appreciate is the references. I wish we had a little more um, drag race queen references and 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 throw ins because they really, for me, made this scene. It's time to open the library. And this is the ginger ale moment. This was Olivia's moment to shine. And you know what? She did. But it was just a little too late. Um, so she puts on the glasses and says, Dominique, first off, legendary, you think you are, you ain't nothing but a bleep, dumpster bleep, furthermore bleep. And then we get the big, um, moment where they become big and Dominique shrinks. Um, and then we get the classic designing women line and Olivia nailed it. She, she really nailed it because if you fuck up that line, don't do drag anymore. Yeah, honestly, you know, I, I think that, you know, this was Olivia's moment and she took it and she ran with it. Yeah. And again, I thought the fact that you know, they just like bleeped out the entire thing. That was hilarious. Especially it was very funny. And the way that she acted on it too, because, you know, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, you're not saying, really saying anything because they're going to bleep it all out. So like her mannerisms and the way that she like kind of was just like going yeah. crazy with it really made it. But like you said, too little, too late. Yeah. And then, and then again, it was like, I think, Olivia believed she was doing the right thing. She saw the journey of the character. 
unfortunately, we saw the beginning part in other challenges. If this was the first time we had seen this, yeah, the change would have worked and she would have done, she probably possibly would have won the challenge. But because it was so redundant in the beginning, the payoff at the end was already gone. Yeah, like we've seen this character from Olivia before. It's the same, you know, it's they and the judges have critiqued her for it. And so like at this point, it's like if you can't do anything new and exciting with this character, yeah, you're just going to shoot yourself in the foot with it. Exactly. So that was the challenge. Um, I think we kind of said it before, but how did this fare compared to other acting challenges? I loved it. You know, I, I mean, you know, I got the reference. I knew exactly, you know, what was going to happen, sort of, you know, like knew the storyline. Um, but, you know, again, I think the way that, you know, they were so self-aware with it, they tied in like the previous Queens like references and, you know, they had like those little like iconic nuances and iconic moments. It just really made it for me. And like, I thought yeah. it was like, the the best ones that we've seen. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think the writing was definitely one of the better ones. So whoever wrote this one, whatever team wrote this one, congratulations. Uh, you can keep your jobs. I'm not coming for your job this time because um, other challenges I'm like, hire me, I'll do better. Uh, but no, this was this was good. So, and I don't know if it's because there was only a cast of five, and it was easier to write because you know sometimes when you have like the entire cast to write characters for, it's a little harder to do. This was this felt fully realized. Yeah, and I think you know to your point, if you know you're writing for so many characters, some of the characters are going to be you know weaker than others. Like they're going to be more watered down. They're going to start running out of ideas. Exactly. But I think the two things that were working in their favor here is that there was only five queens, and they were basically just writing the stereotyped version of these queens. So they already exactly. had a lot of material to work with and they were essentially just yeah. being themselves. So And and the the usage of the references, it was a very easy script to work off of. And they, I yeah. think overall, they all did pretty well. Time for the runway. The category is Hot Pocket. Um, great. Whoever came up with that one, just whatever. In honor of the runway, we are going to play Hot Pocket or Back Pocket. So that's our version of Toot and Boot. All right. We will start off with Simone. Look by Marco Marco. Uh, hair by Gigi Good. Wow. Shocker that that's the team that makes you look excellent. I love to see a risk. Um, she put herself in the pocket. The zipper detail is brilliant. Love the bell-bottom pants with the bottoms turned up. The hair is not my favorite, but it really didn't deter from the overall look. Look, I think the only critique I would have, and this is me being very nitpicky, is to keep the illusion of the pocket. I would have let her left arm also be denim, so it looked like it was still inside. Mm. Tiny little little thing, but it was so cool. Oh no, I absolutely agree, and I love the whole look. I love the reference, and I feel the same way about the hair. I like. I loved the. Um, the raccoon stripe in it and like the big like the teased scene hair yeah I think what threw it off for me was I wish it were a different color because I yeah. feel like the 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 contrast with like the like the the bleached parts I guess in the front on like the scene bangs and on the raccoon stripe because it was like you know a red orange and yellow you know Tina Burner yeah Tina Burner when they said that, like, oh, did you borrow that wig from Tina? Um, I feel like the contrast with the bleach bits weren't strong enough. So I feel like if maybe she had done like the wig in like, you know, a black or like a brown and then had like yeah. the, the blonde like highlights in it, you would have gotten like that scene girl hair from yeah. it. 
because I because I believe she did reference Paramore, Haley Williams. Yep. Um, yeah, that that was definitely her her uh, early two thousands hair colors and everything. So I got the reference. It just wasn't my favorite because it did take away from the the darkness of the denim, um, which was really the highlight of the look. But yeah. it was so freaking cool. Oh, no, I, I loved everything about it. And again, I feel like nitpicking on the hair because like, you know, like Simone's taste level is there. Yeah. And like, she could do it as like, I will not say that it ruined the look at all because you nope. still got the idea, but like, it could have been even better if she like went like really like dark, like that, you know, like yeah. really, that angsty scene kid. For I agree. Problems. Michelle was concerned she was losing her, but when she saw the video back, she not only popped, she thought Simone was very funny. Michelle calls the look something she would expect from her. The wide leg is flattering. Rue points out to Cynthia that Simone played Harriet Tubman, Tubman in Snatch Game, to which she was nominated for two Oscars. Technically, it was only one Oscar. The other one was for the song, but Rue, you say whatever you want. Okay. Uh, Cynthia would have nominated her for an award. She says she has subtlety and nuance to her comedy and was laughing the whole way through. The dimple comes out and it's lovely. She calls the look a little like a little doll in a back pocket. Carson says the look is his kind of drag, fashion, fit, and details. I will give this a hot pocket. I loved it. Oh, absolutely. Hot pocket all the way. Audience was 86% hot pocket, 14% back pocket. Next up, Olivia Lux. Look by Domino Couture, hair by Serena Chacha, nails by Chino Chanel. Chino Shale Nails. This is fashion, and I really think it's a stunning look. Um, I guess the judges were looking for a more defined pocket, but she does have them. I think the silhouette is wonderful for her body. The colors of the dress and the hair are exquisite on her. It's hard to see the stoning on screen, but I bet they looked incredible. Personally, I see no problems. So I loved the look. Not for this runway. Okay. And... Uh, I actually, um, again, on her Instagram, uh, actually, I don't think it was on Olivia's Instagram. It was actually on uh, her designer's Instagram. This look wasn't actually originally intended for this runway. Oh, interesting. Um, this runway was originally supposed to be uh, her lady look uh, to juxtapose her uh, vamp look. Okay. So this was supposed to be like her daytime lady look for the, like back at the beginning yeah. of the season. Uh, when, you know, she was, like, very much, like, you know, like, bright, ethereal, like, I, I don't hate the look. I think, it, you know, I agree with everything you said. I just don't like it for this runway. That, and that it's totally valid. I'm now curious, what was the intended look? Yeah, I, now I want to know, and, you know, th and this is why, like, I love, you know, like, following, like, you know, the queens on, on Twitter and, like, the designers and stuff, because you get all these, like, little, like, insider tidbits. Yeah. And... Um, hold on, because who was it who yeah, I can't remember if you said it like on let's see. Um it's so fascinating. Yeah, it was a uh, fun fact. I made this dress for her daytime lady fashion show fantasy to contrast with the evening vamp look. Um, uh, but then apparently Olivia made the choice to switch it out uh last minute for the pockets runway. Because again, like you said, like with the way that the fabric was laid, it looked like it had pockets. Yeah. Um, but the comment that she made when she was like, I feel like I'm really bringing you fashion on this runway. I was like, ma'am, have you not been bringing us fashion the whole time? Like she's had some really strong runways, you know, especially in contrast to some of the other, other queens that have had some sure. very questionable choices. I'm like, Olivia, 
you've brought us fashion every time. Why are you pretending yeah, yeah. like this is the first time that you're bringing us like something stunning? Yeah, no, it, it was it was gorgeous. And Carson calls it look gorgeous, loves the details and the stoning that was carried through to the trim of the shoe. But this was hot pockets. This has pockets, but it was not about pockets. He saw glimmers of versatility, but wanted to see more in the film. Michelle says she knows how to do the character and she does it well, but she's seen it a lot and wanted her to be dark and evil and the other people that live inside her head. Olivia tells her when she does something, she wants her to do it one step further. Cynthia says that uh, when she does something to do it one step further. I will give the look hot pocket. I understand maybe it didn't fit the um, challenge as well, but I still think it was a great look. So I will give it a hot pocket. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I, you know, I don't think it was a total miss. I was like, I also give it a hot pocket because she looked beautiful. I was like, it was, everything was right. I just wish that it fit the theme better. Yeah. Audience was 59% hot pocket, 41% back pocket. So they're kind of split on this one. Next, we have Rosé, hair by drag by Sherelle, look by Christopher Palu. Okay, so this is everything that I could have dreamed of. And I think Jackie Cox is quaking in her go-go boots. So the jacket with the black and white pockets, super cute and the triangle shape, it creates very mod. But then we have the reveal, and it's in the same family, and it's brilliant. When you do a reveal, it has to be better than the first look, and she executed that so well. The detail of the pockets are so strong. Again, perfectly executed. I wish she had white go-go boots, but the white heel and the knee-high socks pull it off the same effect. The hair is really fun. The only thing I have an issue with, and I know it's period appropriate, is the white eyeshadow. It's just sitting there. There, It's not doing anything. It's not blended. It's just on her eye. Um, I wish it was a little more blended because it reminds me, and I'm not, I don't mean this as a mean read, but it reminds me of Izzy Uncut when she first started drag and she just put makeup on her face. I was going to say, I was like, I feel like it's a lot of like baby queens. They think that, you know, white is the only highlight color. Been there, done that, not the look. Um, I loved this look and, you know, I am a sucker for a reveal. And again, I agree. If you're going to do a reveal one, you shouldn't see it coming. And two, it need the second look needs to be better than the first, or it needs to have some sort of like impact. Um, I loved the black and white. I feel like it would have been, it also even wouldn't really cool if, you know, she like threw in like some color. Oh yeah. Um, the, I, I, I almost don't agree with the the go-go boots because I feel like if okay. she did the go-go boots, it might have cut her off. That's fair. That's fair. You know, I feel like the the white socks and the shoes kind of like it gave the illusion of the go-go boot, but a very right. like sleek kind of version of it. Um, the one thing that did bother me about this look, though, I wish the hair were a different color. Okay. What color? Black or what, you want an actual color? I don't know. I feel like because like the look was so like monochromatic, I could see why she went with the white hair. But I feel like, you know, if... You know, she went with like, you know, her signature pink or went with, you know, a ginger or, you know, just a, a color that wasn't black or white. It may have looked better. I didn't dislike the white hair. I just felt like it. I don't know it almost because it was the same color as the garment. It kind of looked it almost looked like a hood. Like, you know, That's what I mean? fair. yeah, it, yeah. It, looked, it was cohesive, but it was like too cohesive. Like I wanted a bit more contrast. That's I can see that. I, I can totally understand that. 
So the judges, let's talk what they said. Carson says that she rose to the occasion in the acting challenge and that she was prepared and the, and the physical comedy was great. Michelle thinks the look is fun and we can see shape and proportions. That makes sense. Cynthia calls the look her wet dream. It's short. It's black and white. They have pockets everywhere. It's from the 60s and it reminds her of Sweet Charity. So I love that reference and I definitely could see um, uh, a future uh, production of Sweet Charity borrowing this look. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love this. This may be one of my favorites of Rosé of the season. So I will absolutely give it a hot pocket. Oh, absolutely. Hot pocket. And again, I feel like it's the same thing that we were saying with Simone. It's like the, the, the issues that we had with it, we're just getting nitpicky. Exactly. Candy Muse. Look by Pinwheel Pinwheel. First off, I would like to congratulate uh, the dear Pinwheel Pinwheel on their Drag Race debut. Um, congratulations. It's an it's a actual massive achievement to have your work seen on international television. Concept is very pinwheel. It is very Brooklyn. This look is not meant for Candy Muse. This is not a Candy Muse look. I love the meme that came out of it with the um, Karen from Chromatica hair because it's terrible and looks just like Karen from Chromatica. Um, I just don't think this makes sense for Candy. And that's been my problem with her all season. She is bringing you references for the sake of references and not bringing you candy news. I think the joke about Heidi and closet and her awful runway will hold true for candy moving forward. Um, it's a, it, it's a complete miss. I don't understand what she was trying to do here. I'm not saying it's a bad look because again, if pinwheel pinwheel put this on, I would understand why they're wearing it. This is not for candy. Yeah. And, you know, I, I absolutely agree. I think that, you know, it's, you know, that can be said about like a lot of Queens is like, sometimes they're wearing something just to wear it or just to make the reference. I will say that I, I liked the garment itself, mm-hmm. but the execution of it, I felt like it was so busy and like it kind of took away from the fact that it was pockets because right. there was fur and there was so many designs on it. And then the hair didn't really suit candy. Like if you took that look and put it on, someone like Simone or, you know, and I, it, this comes back to, you know, that thing is like, you know, there are some rude girls, like, are they just fashionable? Are they just, are they just like skinny right. and tall? Um, whereas, you know, it was a good idea, but, you know, poor execution, but, you know, and again, I followed Pinwheel Pinwheel and I saw, you know, the whole, the explanation of it. And like, I understood it, but I felt like, it just didn't suit candy. Like there yeah, was, there were too many things going on and like the short little, like tiny hair, like candy can like paint beautifully. Uh, but when she wore that like tiny little, like chopped wig, it didn't do her any favors. Yeah. I, I, and that's the problem is like, it really irks me that she's gotten this far and has gotten so many passes. Because I didn't think there could be anything worse than an alien look, but we found it. Yeah, I mean, first, you know, we thought that the, the worst look of the season was going to be Lala's bag look. And then it was Candy's Beast Couture. And now it's her hot pockets that was anything but. Yeah. So Michelle says that there were moments that made her laugh because Candy makes her laugh. But she could have gone a little further with it and things could have been bigger. She wanted to see something that wasn't Candy. She suggested that her and Olivia switch roles. 
She says the look doesn't work and that it doesn't fit properly with the hem being off and some parts being more together than others and calls it sloppy, especially at this part of the competition. It's not elevated enough for the final five. Cynthia calls her sexy, but her performance was subtle and sedated. Carson says the look is hard to read. And if he's wondering what it is, then that's a problem. Candy comes in and says she's very disappointed and agrees with the outfit because she doesn't feel beautiful in it. I have a problem with that because you literally, Candy Muse, threw your designer under the bus, which is not cool. Yeah. And I know there are there's a there was a little bit of a debate on uh, her Instagram with people um, upset about her photo shoot of this look because she's not wearing the garment. And I know my dear friend Michelle Shocked came to Pinwheel's defense and said you couldn't even wear the look. And it's, it's unfortunate because, again, Pinwheel and their team put so much time and effort into it, and they don't even have a professional photo shoot look of it. Yeah, and the, you know, that's like, you know, my thing is like, you know, I you know, I'm not, I'm in no place to say like, oh, you know, it's a bad look or whatever. And, you know, I feel that's why, you know, I have certain hesitations about critiquing it, but that's where, you know, I'm sort of like, I understood what they were going for and I liked the idea, but they tried to have so much happening with it that it it kind of got lost. And, you know, I, I don't want to defend Candy's choice to, you know, shoot it in the way that she did because she's just trying to like capitalize on Mm -hmm. the meme which right. you know, she, she wants to, you know, take that and run with it more power to you. But again, like you said, there was a team of people that, you know, put hard work and effort into this garment. And it's a huge honor to make it to, you know, such a stage that is drag race. And then for you to photograph it in the way where you're almost, you know, cause I said, I just looked up the photo. Cause I was like, I wanted to remember it's like, it's so like dismissive in the way that. Yeah you know, she shot it. I was like, it's kind of, it's like a slap in the face. Yeah, it it was, it was unfortunate. And I hope in the photo shoot archive somewhere, there is at least one photo that pinwheel could use in the future. Uh, But also pinwheel, if you're making commemorative plates, I think you'll make a lot of money back. Those, that was, that was funny. That was very, very funny. Yeah. But candy says maybe next time she will play the dumb bitch. Michelle says that it could have been worse. She could have played a broccoli. Hear the uncomfortable laughter. Mm-hmm. Can we just let the broccoli die? Like I it, would love that. It was. It wasn't funny the first time on season twelve. Like, get the hint. Or the it. next five times they put her in. That's what I meant. Is like when she kept yeah. coming back on season twelve. I was like, why is she still here? Yeah, it was unfortunate, but I um, have no choice. I have to give it a back pocket. It's not going to work for me. Yeah, I'm going to give it a back pocket. You know, like I said, good idea. Poor execution, but you know, congrats to Pinwheel Pinwheel for yeah. you know, their you know drag race debut. But hey, you can still say it was like it is still memorable. Exactly. Either way. Audience 10% hot pocket, 90% back pocket. So this was a no-no. Yeah. Finally, we end with Got Mick. Watch dress by Howie B, flasher coat by G is for Godoy, hair by Preston Wada, shoes by Christian Cohen, nails by Queen Custom Claw. So she walks out looking like a hooker and you have no idea why and what's inside there. Bam! She flashes out, flashes us with pocket watches. But the real story here is the dress. It's made of gold watches and chain and it's so brilliant. I think the dark eye and lip is very gotmic and she can 
only pull this off for this look. Otherwise, I would have gone with a different color. But I think it's a very strong, very smart concept. And I think it's going to be discussed for years to come. Oh, absolutely. I and I loved when Gottmik was walking down the runway and was like, this reference is from this one little scene in Hercules when the flasher is like, want to buy a sundial? Because I appreciate that so much because yeah. a lot of my ideas come from like stupid little shit like that. So I appreciate when not only is there a reference, but like the reference is like so obscure that people are like, how the hell did that become this? Yeah. And just the pure joy they had when they were discussing it. That's what drag should do. You should be excited by what you bring to the table. Absolutely. And what I want to know is how much did that, like not the, like the, the bodysuit itself that because it was covered in chains and watches, how much did that weigh? It had to have been heavy because she, they did not use cheap chain. Like that is like actual metal. It it wasn't even an illusion. It wasn't plastic. That was, you heard the clink and clanking. Um, And especially on God makes tiny body. Like that must be heavy to stand there for as long as they have to. I was like, God, I mean, you know, I just like, I just want to know like i can i can only imagine i mean yeah. but hey it was a fantastic look so you know i'm glad that it took up the space in her suitcase and you know who who knows that look probably couldn't need its, its own suitcase exactly rue says the outfit is cheese and crackers cynthia calls the look rude and she appreciates it carson says it's fun and fashion and it's executed perfectly he says that the physical comedy and the ideas with the sneeze sold it michelle laughed a few times and said she has comedic timing. The look, absolutely hot pocket. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt, hot pocket. Audience, ninety-five percent hot pocket, five percent back pocket. So they loved it. How so now that the the, the runway five percent because I want to fight them. All right, I'll I'll, I'll send you the names. <laughs> I'm send kidding. Send me a send me a list. So now that we've gone over these runways, do you have any hints you want to tell the audience about what you're going to do for the hot pocket runway? Um, so I am a bit behind, uh, because I still have to shoot my doppelganger look and my beast couture. Um, but for my, uh, hot pocket runway, um, I had a couple of different ideas. Um, but ultimately the one that I think I might go with is going to be a bit of a nod to, uh, Joey J. Okay. Um, and that's the other thing. It's like I love when queens post what they would have worn on their yeah. season, uh, especially because sometimes like there's some really cool looks that we don't get to see. That's true. Uh, but so for my hot pocket runway, I have uh, two ideas. One of them's uh, a bit of a nod to uh, Joey J, uh, as Michelle would say, uh, and the other idea um, is a bit reminiscent of crystal methods uh freddy krueger runway okay uh, meets jan's button and bows meets tina's beast couture okay that was definitely... some patchwork going on yeah there's, so, so there's some patchwork but uh you know i have to uh track down quite a few pockets to do that one that's fair well i'm excited to see that thank you rue asks the dreaded question who should go home tonight and why Simone starts off and says she loves her dearly and says Olivia is 
a lot has a lot more growing to do. Olivia gives us a monologue that she's conflicted because she can't say herself. She can't say any of them. So Rue asks her again. We get some awkward silence that even the queens are like, what's going on? But she finally says candy based off of everything. Rosé says Olivia because she has a lot, a bit more to learn and find out about herself before stepping into the stilettos of America's Next Drag Superstar. Candy loves her sister Olivia, but she has more growth to learn. Gottmik says Olivia because for a few of them, the person that walked into the workroom is not the same person that's standing on the stage. And Olivia is still trying to grow as fast as a few of them are able to. Okay. I mean, obvious answers, right? Yeah. I pose a question to you. We've seen some friendships grow in the workroom. Dare I say an alliance. Do you think the bonds between Candy and the other three are why they didn't say her based off the fact that she did equally receive, if not worse, critiques than Olivia, and she did technically get a last-minute save? You know, I, I, now that you're saying that, I, I could see it, but I also think the, the queens are focusing more on the fact that they said they told Olivia going into it that they were like, hey, you've been read for playing this like sweet character multiple times before. Maybe sh- you should rethink it. And she was like, no, like I'm going to do what I know. And then surprise, surprise, got read for it again. Right, so right. I think it was more so like it could also, you know, it could be an alliance, but also it could just be that they were like, listen, we told you this was going to happen. It happened. So now we'll throw you under the bus. Yeah. It's a fair point, like, because I'm, I'm conflicted. I don't know which it is. I obviously am a little more team Olivia than I am team Candy. Um, but yeah, it, like, I, in no way, shape, or form would I ever think Mick is ever going to say Candy Muse over anybody. Yeah, because they're, they're literally best friends now. So, interesting, interesting. Um, the girls go back, but wait, 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 wait. Simone didn't have her heels on, so they have to retake that moment, which I thought was so funny. I love these behind-the-scenes bits. Oh, absolutely. And especially when Simone was like, wait, leave that in. Because you yeah. know that things like this have happened before. Oh, fully. You know, where, like a queen will like slide their shoes off or like something like that. And like, you know, they'll start like to walk away. But what was even funnier was the fact that you couldn't even tell because she'd have these big ass bell bottoms. Right. So Rue has decided that Gottmik and Simone are safe with Rose-, Rose getting another win. She gets a cash chip of $5,000. Where are the sponsors this season? Do they have no one sponsoring this show anymore? Or do they have just a lot of cash lying around? I mean, honestly, though, I would, I'm not even mad about the cash because I've, you know, heard things in the past where, like, you know, the queens don't get the prizes they're, they're supposed to get. And being on Drag Race is stupid expensive. So yeah. if they want to keep counting out cash prizes, I think this is better than, you know, the, the random sponsorships that they were doing in the past. What? You don't want a random trip with um, Adam and Adam and Steve cruises or, or a lifetime supply of hamburger Mary's ha- um, hamburgers, even though, you know, Sasha Lord is vegan. Um, come or on. Like we love want, those moments. Uh, a year supply of uh, hair products and she's bald. Exactly. Um, I love those moments, but yes, I understand money is better because they can then pay back the designers, which drag queens do it. Pay back your designers. <laughs> Amen and God bless. Candia and Olivia are in the bottom. Do you agree with how everything shake, shook out in this um, placement? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I was like, you know, we're, we're down to the top five. So like things are going to get nitpicky. 
And, you know, out of the five of them, they were the two weakest. Yeah. Olivia feels the odds are against her, but don't forget, Candy was almost at home. So let's see. The song is Strong Enough by Cher. And what an excellent song choice to lip sync to. It has all the peaks and valleys, emotions, fast tempo, slow tempo. You got everything in it. They both did exactly what the song called for. They started off with power and passion, but Candy infused just a little bit of comedy and that gave her a slight edge over Olivia. But I think for me, the moment I said no for Olivia was when she did that fucking eight count. Yeah. Like that is the Stephanie's child eight count and Rosé is literally standing behind you. What? Why would you do it? I mean, it's that musical theater background that when she has nothing else to do, she's going to fall back on it. It's true. I have another question. Mm-hmm. Where did Candy get that um, confetti glitter? Have we ever seen something like that? Um, Aside I mean, from like uh, uh, the finale where, you know, tricks yeah, and stunts. Yeah, I mean, we've seen uh, Britta on her season had those little sparkler things. Uh-huh. Um, we've seen... Uh, Scarlet Envy had scissors on her body. Fair, fair. Out of that dress. So, I mean, honestly, she probably had like some little like um, like party popper or something like hidden in her bra or like in tucked in some undergarment somewhere. Like, I don't know how she managed to do it, but she definitely like she knew she was going to be in the bottom. So when they yeah. went back to the to the workroom, she probably was like, all right, well, you know, let me just like, you know, tuck something away for this lip sync. Yeah. It was a very strong lip sync. And if there was going to be an actual realistic should have been double save, I think this is the moment it would have been. Yeah. Though that trajectory would not have happened because Candy would have been gone in that scenario. Mm -hmm. But they both did very, very well. And I think it was not necessarily more of the talent. It was more of a producer decision to keep Candy and eliminate Olivia because they got everything they needed from Olivia and Candy's going to give you that fire for this next episode. Yeah. And, you know, I agree. It's like, I think, you know, sometimes it's like, it doesn't come down to track record. It doesn't come down to, you know, who did better in the lip sync. It comes down to who was going to do better for the storyline. And, you know, I think, and I ultimately think in the end, neither of them are going to, Neither of them, if they if one stayed over the other, was going to take the crown. So it really didn't matter who stayed right. as far as like track record and as far as like winning the season. It was really who's going to make better TV. Exactly. Well, Olivia gets a group hug and then she says a friendly reminder. A friendly uh, live life to the fullest. Very Olivia. Let's talk about Untucked because we may not have gotten a lot of drama, but we got some first time moments in it. Yeah. Candy has received some of the worst critiques of the season and she's terrified of going home. Olivia hearing the critiques and that she should go home. She's feeling defeated and has to pick herself up fast. They all say it was rough and they didn't want to throw shade, but the dreaded question came up. It's interesting that Olivia and Candy are sitting on the same couch as the other three are on the other one. So I don't know if that was by choice, by happenstance, or if the producers were like split off, sit here. Yeah, it, I mean, I don't know either, but the fact that it happened that way, it felt very like, yeah, they're just like firing, you know, back there. It was just very like, we're good. You guys are are kind of screwed here. Yeah. 
Olivia doesn't feel great being the majority vote in the question, and it's frustrating that her sisters don't see her going as far. She's not angry, but she does know who she is, and she is evolving. She doesn't want it to be confused with who she is. She also came to explore. We've heard this a lot from Olivia throughout the season. That's been her story arc. But Rosé, in her incredibly diplomatic, non-reality TV voice, says that it's fantastic that she came here to explore and she has seen her blossom, but she doesn't think anyone else came to explore. And Olivia says that's her opinion and that's all on that's all on that. How do you feel about that? Like, should you go to Drag Race to explore or should you go to Drag Race as your full complete package? Because we've seen both executed well and both fall terribly. Tina Burner. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's really pros and cons to both because, you know, it's not called the Olympics of drag for no reason. Right. You know, there are a lot of queens that, you know, go there. and Even some of, you know, the most seasoned, you know, queens will go and they'll learn things, you know. And, you know, even like you just said Tina Burton, maybe think of it, you know, like Tina went to drag race and finally learned how to do a cut crease. Right. You know, like queens, even, you know, the most seasoned queens who have, you know, the biggest reputations will go and they'll learn things. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think that, you know, drag should be used, you know, like drag boot camp, like, you know, where you're going to like learn things. I think that you can definitely go and learn things, but that shouldn't be your intention in going to drag race. I like, agree. Like, you know, drag race is to show the best of the best. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's a reality TV show. And, you know, yes, you should be open, open to learning things on drag race, but that should not be your intent in getting cast. Agreed. Candy didn't take Olivia's answer to heart, but she's disappointed as they're almost at the end of the competition and you want to be doing your best. She knows she's in the bottom and she'll be damned to give up her spot in the top four. She's not going anywhere. So sorry, Olivia, she's going to go off. Simone has experience being a winner, then catapulting to the bottom and it sucks. So she understands where Candy is with this. And then Rose chimes in again with her very diplomatic, very soothing voice and says that listening to both Candy and Olivia, Olivia is still poised and Candy is all fuck this, all bets are off. And that's the energy that gets you to the end. And she wants to see Olivia's fire to stay. I don't think Olivia is putting up a character in this moment. She's not, she's not putting up a front. She's being who she is. She's a very poised person. And in that moment, you're going to feel like you need to have a little bit of a wall up because you just got torn down by everybody. So I thought it was a little unfair for Rosé to um, say there was no fire within Olivia because a lot of Olivia's fire is within. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, they both are very different people. So like to compare Candy's fire to Olivia's fire, it's very different. Like, it's not like she's giving up and saying like, oh, like, you know, I'm just going to go out there and, you know, do whatever. You know, she still has the fire, but it's just not the, you know, the the same fire that Candy has because the way yeah. that they go about it is very different. Olivia is confident in her ability to perform and she will hit the stage as she always does and give a show. We then hear the conversation about Simone wanting Dominique and Candy wishes she had given it to her. And we get a video message from Olivia's mom and grandma. Um, we see the outtakes of the two of them trying to simultaneously do their intro. It was hilarious and fun and they were totally the same family because Olivia and her mom are twins like that was yeah. wow um they both said they're proud of her and they are both decked out in their own version of glam but the story here is grandma is sitting there for a reason 
And we learn just why when Olivia sits down. Um, before she came to Drag Race, her grandma told her that she doesn't think she can be a part of anything drag related. And they had a big fight. She's always been a big support for her. And the possibility that she may not be a part of this was very hard on Olivia. Her grandma is very religious. She's okay with her being gay, but she doesn't understand drag. But seeing her on this screen, on this video message, it was more than just acceptance. It was unconditional love. And then we see Olivia start to break down because, you know, the producers made this emotional breakdown happen because manipulation on reality TV. But it was really a, a powerful moment because we haven't seen this from Olivia yet. Obviously, they gave it to us now because she's about to be eliminated. But really a, a heartbreaking story and a really positive ending to it. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, you know, we see this a lot on Drag Race where, you know, there is strife between, you know, family members and we get these full circle moments. And, you know, I think that, you know, like you said, it was like it was an editing choice to give it to us now. But I think that more so just the fact that, it, you know, it happened and, you know, that, you know, grandma has now, grandma Lux uh, has now, you know, come around and, you know, has righted the wrongs, I guess, uh, you know, it's like that, that speaks volumes yeah. more so than, you know, the fact that the initial falling out happened, but whether now that she's like, you know, I have, you know, I've thought about it. I'm putting this aside and I'm here to support you. Absolutely. Now, if that happened to me, like if, if I knew I got into a fight with someone very close to me, um, before going to a show and then I got a message from them in the middle of filming this show knowing that things are better I would actually have an emotional breakdown and like be like take the cameras off me because this is actually a real life moment this isn't just a made for tv moment so good on Olivia for keeping the composure there because that would have been a lot to take in yeah especially like you know you know having it happen right before drag race and going to drag race and having no communication with the outside world exactly and then, you know, having having that weighing on you, but then finally finding out that, you know, it has resolved itself like that. I mean, that's a huge. Yeah. And the fact that she was able to, like, keep herself together and, you know, keep her composure, like you said, good on her for, you know, not like breaking down because that was that was a lot. It was. They all give her a hug. But did we catch the rosé? giving the shout out to the earrings plaza um come on cheap jewelry have you have you ever been to earrings plaza in new york city absolutely um they uh, moved for the for people who thought the place closed they moved down the street they still exist it is there they did i um i actually uh went recently uh right before they moved uh because they were having a moving sale uh ah! so i was able to uh you know snag cheap jewelry for even cheaper Wow. Um, and a whole bunch of like fun little things. Um, and I'm hoping to go back to New York City to, you know, do some more shopping. And I will now visit the new location and get <laughs> even more cheap jewelry. I, I don't know if Olivia was wearing the Earrings Plaza or if her, her family was wearing Earrings Plaza. Was it, I'll have to go back and look. But yeah. Earrings Plaza has definitely appeared on Drag Race. Jackie Cox, I called you out for it and I will continue to call you out for it. You had access to real jewels and you decided not to take them. <sighs> Nicole Noskby offered all of her fucking brilliant jewelry to Jackie before the show and Jackie said no, so. Why? I don't know. I don't know, but 
whatever, Jackie. You wore earrings flaws and I called you out because it's so noticeable. Anyway, Candy is sitting there and she is starting to get herself psyched out. And she needs a second and calls for a medic and feels a little lightheaded, so she's going to walk out for a little bit. I'm a big fan of Survivor. Um, are we getting a first medevac from Drag Race? Is someone getting medically evacuated from the show? I was getting so excited. I was like, this is juicy. Candy needs water and air and a medic and heads outside. And we get to see the paramedic um, as the girls talk about her, um, that the pressure is getting to her. Going from the top to straight to the bottom is a lot. And they decide to have Simone volunteers tribute to go check on her. I understand um, these kinds of things. They're, 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 it weighs on you. And, and being in the bottom, you're, you're going to have a slight panic attack. Um, I'm not saying she was faking it because she wasn't. Because her vitals were proven that she was having a panic attack a little bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was crazy to watch because we've never seen this happen on Drag Race. Other TV shows, yeah, not on Drag Race. Yeah, I mean... Again, I think that it's a really real moment and it's a reminder that like, hey, these are real people, you know, and yeah. they have, you know, real things. I think the the only time we've ever seen uh, something similar to this was Drag Race Canada uh, mm-hmm. when like Juicebox had a right. moment on the main stage. But other than that, we've never really seen like, you know, a, you know, a panic attack or any sort of anything like yeah. that on drag race like any sort of medical emergency exactly now again i i I mentioned it earlier but the covid rules they're just fucking loosey-goosey because you have candy without anything on simone is holding her shield in front of her face and the medic has like the face mask on what are the rules like that's that's the issue of of filming everything is if something's not complete or or followed through people are going to call it out so I don't know what the rules are of when to wear a shield, who needs to wear a shield. It's all very confusing. Yeah, it seems like they kind of give the queens a pass because, you know, they're in full drag, they're in full makeup. And, like, even during the COVID special, like, you know, when the queens were being, like, transported, they kind of were all, like, holding, like, masks, like, the shields in front of their face. I guess it's better than nothing, but, you know, in that moment, you're kind of like, well, Candy has nothing, the medic is, like, decked out, and Simone's kind of, like, just there yeah. it was very it's not the focus of the scene but i made it the focus of the scene fair <laughs> um the medic tells candy to relax and not do anything as her heart rate is high simone returns to tell the rest of the group that candy's blood pressure and her heart rate is up so she's she is officially having a panic attack candy wants to go inside as the medic wants her to be comfortable um to be honest i too would take the air conditioning over the california heat because Ooh, in the yeah. I believe they were filming in August. That was hot. That would have been very hot. Candy is trying to calm down because she has to perform and get in the right headspace, but we get an appearance from Cynthia Rivo, so you're not getting that moment, girl. Simone can't get over the fact that Cynthia Rivo is going to talk to them. Cynthia asks how it's been. Rose says it's been a very difficult and rewarding journey. And she then asks if they've learned anything. Olivia learned, says that she's learned about asking for validation, and Cynthia says that we all get to the point where we want to know what others are thinking, but it shouldn't matter. It should be about how you feel. I heard that. Will I still ask for validation all the time? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I, will. I mean, yeah. I was like, we, all will. we all will. So Candy is feeling a little lightheaded, and it walks off from this moment, which was like, oh, you're, you're missing your Cynthia Revo time. That's okay. That's a choice. But 
Simone asks a question about how to handle fame, and Cynthia says to keep good people around who you know and love and trust, and don't be afraid to say no sometimes, which I think doesn't just fit the situation. It fits all situations. If you don't want to do something, say no and tell that person no. But we're bringing my personal life into this podcast right now. It's it's really interesting um, to then watch Cynthia head back and stop in front of Candy because Cynthia, again, celebrities, they're just like us, has concern for a contestant who's not doing well in this moment. So Candy does get her Cynthia Riva moment. Um, and Cynthia tells her that she's gorgeous and then notices she has a gap in her teeth. And now the two of them become gap sisters, which I think was very, very sweet. Um, we then get back to the medic who tells Candy that her numbers are stabilizing and she is not feeling the best, but she is going out there and going to do what she needs to do. Did you, obviously we knew what was going to happen, but did you ever have a moment of thinking they're not going to let Candy lip sync? Um, apparently it was, it was close to it based on like, an article I read. Uh, you mean like, like for like medical concerns? Yep. Um, I don't know. I mean, because, you know, they had that moment where they're like, you know, you're stabilized, like you're good, but you know, I would, I would hope, you know, in my heart of hearts that, you know, if there was an actual concern, you know, that her, uh, limp syncing would, you know, then, you know, agitate the panic again, you know, she'd become unstable. Um, then, you know, I would hope that, you know, they would not let her or they would, delay it what have you um but you know i think if they delayed it the fandom would have gone insane and said there was preferential treatment uh, yeah exactly like you know so i think it really just came down to is like you know she was she had leveled out she was good she was okay so they let her do what she had to do it's true we get an untucked exclusive uh where rue understands that candy had a moment in untucked and he is feeling better. And the medic said everything was okay. So Rue says, shall we proceed? Shall we carry on? And we immediately go back to the scripts. Like, no pause. That was like RuPaul said, we're filming. We're doing this. Because yeah. uh, she's in drag and she wants to um, be in boy clothes. Well, yeah. I mean, and uh, do you know the 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 tea that uh, RuPaul switches into sweatpants under? Oh, the- yeah. Oh, we discussed it last week. And, I, and we, we discussed that that's why... Utica asked that, her to stand up and that's why Rue flipped the bird because there's you you don't ask RuPaul to stand up when that rumor is out there. It is well known. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I was like, I'm sure you know, but when I because I had to explain that to my friend when she watched the roast, she was like, Why was that? Why was RuPaul so pressed about that? I was like, because rumor has it that he switches into like sweatpants and like, you know, like slides or like flats or whatever under the judging panel. And uh that's where's that why there's a front to it. Yeah, exactly. So if he were to stand up, it would ruin the illusion. She's like, oh my God, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, it was like that. Uh, God, what a, what a tidbit that is. It was, it was, that was, that was brilliant. But Olivia says it is disappointing not to be able to fight it out in the last battle so close to the crown, but she's proud of herself. Olivia sees her notes and reads them and Simone calls her a true sister. Olivia says that she doesn't really have a drag family and she's found a family here. Drag race was the start of something amazing and she can finally let her family in on this. And she walks out and uh, walked in with a bag and she will walk out with a bag as well. I got some burning questions to wrap up this podcast. Are you ready for them? Sure. Let's go. So obviously we love to talk about history of drag race and the lore between it. 
Fifth place tends to be that fan favorite Rob Goddess spot of the show. We've seen legends like Katya Bendelakram, Jackie Cox, Ms. Cracker leave in the fifth position. We've also seen people like Alexis Michelle and Ms. Vanjie who also leave in fifth and are not the same level. What will Olivia's legacy be following this elimination? And based off of Utica's failure, does Olivia have a better chance of being Miss Congeniality? You know, I think definitely her, like, she is going to easily become a fan favorite because I think, you know, she very much represents that new up-and-coming queen. And, you know, she is, you know, she did really well on the show and was very well-received by fans. Um, And as far as Miss Congeniality is concerned, I think it depends on how they are going to do the Miss Congeniality vote, whether they have the fans do it or if they have the uh, queens do it, because there never really seems to be um, consistency with that. Um, So I think that um, she definitely is a strong contender for uh, Miss Congeniality, whether it is the queens or the fans because you know again like you said i think that uh, utica kind of screwed herself over with that roast because i think there were a lot of people that were rubbed the wrong way by it yeah yeah it's definitely going to be interesting um because again it's like it's harder for me to be like oh my god is she going to be the next katya ben creme because to me they are like legends and olivia lux is a queen that i know from new york city so it's like, I, it's hard for me to be like, oh my God, you're in the same level. But she did, she had a strong showing. And, and for people who didn't know her beforehand, they've taken to her. So I, I wish her the best. Um, I do think she has a very strong shot of getting Miss Congeniality. And I think she's probably in the top three or four of people getting a callback for an all-star season from this cast. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree. I was like, I would not be mad about seeing more Olivia Lux. Because if, if what they showed us is that she needs to grow more, she has a lot of growth in her. That's, that's what All-Stars is for. So I'm like, that is, that's the perfect storyline to then have her come back for an All-Star season and show like how much she has. I, I hope for her sake, she waits like to like a, an All-Stars eight or nine before coming back. Um, yeah. Will she win an All-Star season? I don't know, but I, I I would welcome her back with open arms because she was really a joy to watch on screen, and I am very proud of her. Absolutely. I ask at every podcast, after 13 episodes, who is the winner? Oh, God. You know, I can say with confidence that the... There are reason, there are pros and cons to each of them winning. Um, and, you know, I think that my top two would either be between Gottmik and Simone. Mm-hmm. The only hesitation I have with Simone is, you know, that whole four win curse. Yeah. Um, but I would not be mad if Simone took it. I would not be mad if Gottmik took it. I would not be mad if Rosé took it. I would have a lot of questions if Candy took it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if, if it's got mixed Simone or Rosé, I would not have a, a, a second thought about that. Is there a world where they're going to put Candy in the finale? Because she has to go home next, right? 
I mean, I don't know. They've 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 had top fours go they to have. the finale before. So I think that, you know, it really like either she could be eliminated next or, you know, we could see a top four going to the finale. If it so, is a top four, I think know. the fans again will be a little li- livid. Um, but I just, there's no way she could win. Yeah, right? I, I, I don't think so. I don't see it happening, but I, I never say never. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll find out very soon. Where can we find you on social media and Venmo? I love that you're like social media and Venmo. Um, it's trying times. We've got to support the artists. I mean, honestly, it was like, you know, I was like, I'm sure you're aware and I'm sure to, you know, anyone else who's listening, drag is expensive. And, you know, although I am merely doing runway recreations, it's still, I'm putting money out there and I am throwing myself onto the internet and see what sticks. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok under the Spectra Electra, uh, on Twitter, uh, Twitter, not under the same name, uh, because apparently that's too long for Twitter. Um, but it's the Spectra. And then my Venmo um, is my legal name. Uh, we're going to we're going to government name up in here. Um, I was like, I never remember my Venmo, but uh, it's S Hubert 31. Um, so if you want to if you like what you see on my Instagram and you want to see more of it. Tip a bitch. Do it. It's, it's good. It's good drag. It was a pleasure having you on. Thanks for chatting. Yes, thank you for having me. I love nothing more than chatting with like-minded people and, you know, having conversations like these where we can, you know, one second be shady and then the next second having important conversations about, you know, the good things that are happening. The biggest thanks to Spectra for coming on. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk.